What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ride in the Pine. Jack Ridenour back with you all today, and as always, we've got another wonderful episode in store for everyone at home, but before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a great guest coming from the college basketball world, but more importantly, coming from the coaching world. Current graduate assistant for the Miami of Ohio men's basketball team, Coach Elijah Pennington. Coach Pennington and I get into his career as a coach and what got him interested in wanting to be a coach, how he was able to work his way from being on the staff at IUPUI initially over to Miami of Ohio, what he thinks this Miami of Ohio team is capable of accomplishing this season, and so much more. So if you want to hear about Coach Pennington's career in coaching, go check out episode 271 and all 271 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by a great guest coming from the golfing world, current Notre Dame men's golfer, Palmer Jackson. Palmer and I get into his career in golf and what led him to wanting to have a career in golf and how he wound up at Notre Dame, what it was like for him being a golf recruit in high school and what the recruiting process looks like for a high school golfer, what some of his favorite courses as well as some of his most memorable tournaments have been during his illustrious college and high school career and so much more. So if you want to hear about Notre Dame golf and about Palmer's career on the course, don't go anywhere because here comes Palmer Jackson. Jackson. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current Notre Dame men's golfer, Palmer Jackson. Palmer, great to have you on the show today, my friend. How's it going? Pretty good, Jack. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Like I mentioned, I know that, again, you're coming out of your season. We're getting ready for the holidays. But overall, how was this past fall for you and your team? And really, just how did it feel to come out to such a strong start also at your tournament at the beginning of the year back in about September time? Yeah, we've got a pretty good team this year. Um, we lost a great senior, fifth-year senior, Davis Chatfield. Uh, he actually just got corn Ferry tour membership. So that was pretty cool, but we've got a good five, uh, collectively we played okay this semester. I think we're ranked about 30th in the country, but we've got a great squad going into the spring. Well, what does the next few months look like for you? I mean, in, individually, just with, you know, the weather again, obviously not being the greatest and with a little bit of downtime and the holidays, what do you plan on doing and just kind of working on in the next few months? Yeah, this past year, I played through the offseason, so I didn't take any time off. And by September of this year, I was pretty tired. So I took like three weeks off in November, and I'm getting back into things now. Um, I have two tournaments, one in late December and one in January. And then our school season starts in February. But really, it's it's a lot of maintenance and working on things that were a little bit off during the season and trying to keep things that were sharp, sharp. But a lot of process stuff, really. Well, I know that you had a really, really great fall individually. I mean, you finished top 20 in all five tournaments this fall. What was clicking for you during this past fall? I mean, what was it that you just felt you just in such a good rhythm and in such a good groove? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I know my game pretty well, and it felt like it was off. But sometimes the score on the card is different than what you see with your shots. And I was really able to just stay in it in every tournament. And unfortunately I never, uh, broke through and got myself a victory this fall, but, um, putting myself in contention a lot, my short game was sharp and 
if I could have just hit a few more wedge and iron shots close, it, it would have been an awesome fall. But, but either way, being in contention every week really shows you what it's like and you get more comfortable being there. Well, I think ultimately you, I think you did have a great fall. My friend, I mean, you made a huge a career milestone individually making it to a PJ tour debut. I mean, that's gotta be such an awesome thing for you individually. What was that like for you? And just what was that whole kind of event for you as, as a whole and, and being able to partake in that? Yeah. So in February, I was fortunate to win the Jones cup. And what comes with that is an exemption to the RSM classic. And I also wrote a letter to the tournament director at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, and I was fortunate to get into that too. So first was Bermuda, um, first PGA Tour event on an island. There weren't that many fans, but um, just knowing that I was fulfilling kind of a lifelong dream that first day going up to the first tee was was a feeling I'll never forget. Um, my game, I felt, was plenty good to compete out there. It just didn't happen. Um, and then going into the RSM, I was able to prepare a little better. My caddy and I did some, some trial runs up here. My teammate, Pat Kelly caddied for me. And again, like seeing those guys, seeing the, some of the older guys like Kuchar, Kisner, Jason Day, Jason Duffner, watching them and learning from them. You can't do it at a college event. So being at a tour event was awesome. How much comfort did that give you knowing that, you know, you had people in your corner that you were very familiar with right there, especially in such a big tournament like that? It, it definitely just showed me that what I was doing was the right stuff. Um, all those guys are very process oriented. They obviously do it to get results, but they have their methods. They stick with their methods. Their routines are really strong. And, and those guys, they carry themselves in a way that I try to carry myself. So it was really cool experience. Um, I wish I could be back sooner than I probably will be, but I'll know next time I'm in that event, I'll be very prepared. Well, I think it's just a great kind of uh, a measuring stick, if you will, just seeing where you're at right now in your career. And clearly you're very ahead of, of a lot of others in, in, in especially your class with just being able to compete at a PGA tour event. But Palmer, I want to get into your career and kind of just walk our way into where you're at today. What initially got you interested in golf? Yeah. So my dad just handed me some clubs and I was like two or three. And honestly, I picked them up and loved it. I played baseball and basketball through middle school. And I also played baseball through high school, but I knew probably when I was 13 or 14 that I, I had a talent in golf and I had a name too. I was named after Arnold Palmer. So that's always a little motivation and, and a special thing that I'm fortunate to have, but yeah, ever since I was younger, I, I just loved being out on the course. I'd go out there late at night, either with my dad or alone, and just play as many holes as I could, hit as many different shots, and just see where I can make the ball go in from, really. Well, something that I've been very fascinated with, especially with golfers, is just the other background that they have in other sports and how that kind of helps with golf currently. So for you, having that other background in, in basketball and in baseball, and especially playing so much baseball in your life, how much has that helped you with golf and just being able to, especially with the, the hand-eye coordination aspect? Yeah, to be honest, I don't know where I would be if I didn't play multiple sports. Um, baseball, I was a pitcher. And being a pitcher, it's just you the ball and the glove, the catcher's mitt, and you're in control of what you're doing, but you can't control whether the batter hits it. So it's a lot of the same mentality and process stuff as, as golfing. And then 
at basketball, like shooting a free throw is just like playing golf. Um, it's just you in the basket. And looking back on those memories of times where I succeeded in other sports was able to, I feel like it gives me a mental edge um, over some other players that really only grew up playing one sport. Yeah, the mental aspect, and, and I do want to ask you about that a little bit later on, and especially in golf, is just so, so crucial. And being able to kind of have that already built into you from other sports, I'm sure gave you, like you said, a little bit of a one-up amongst your other peers. But I want to hear what led you to Notre Dame and what was it about the school and, and the program that led you to want to continue your golf career there? I was fortunate to have some interest from a lot of schools uh, when I was getting recruited. Notre Dame, Duke, and Stanford were the final three. And to be honest, it was a pretty tough decision. Notre Dame has the worst weather by far of those three, but I wanted to go somewhere where I could change the program and hopefully leave a legacy that would allow people on my teams and after my teams to compete for conference and national championships. And at Duke and Stanford, they had very established teams, um, great coaches, great players, a lot of great history. But I felt like coming to Notre Dame, they had all the resources in place to have a great team, but unfortunately they just didn't yet. And I felt that I could help push the team forward to win those titles and make myself go to the next level. Well, what does that whole process look like for a golfer in high school that's looking to play at the collegiate level? I, I don't think that many people, especially in the sports world overall, are aware of what that process looks like. Because from what I've heard, it's not the normal process that a lot of other athletes go through. So what was that like for you? I mean, how did you kind of have to fight your way through things to get noticed by college coaches? You really have to play in a lot of national tournaments. Um, you either have to be pretty good on a national level or dominant on a local level. And I was fortunate to have some coaches watch me. I want to say my sophomore and junior year, and I kept playing a little bit better. And then you get into the U S junior amateur and then all the coaches are there and I happen to play well and you attract the attention of some bigger schools. But it's interesting because as I'm sure it is with other sports, like there's one day where it opens up to the official recruiting period and you just get dozens of texts and emails from coaches that you didn't even know were interested in you. So you may have already thought you knew where you wanted to go, but then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity. I got to go visit here. And it's a tough decision decision for anyone, but I feel like golf, it's particularly difficult. Well, and on top of that, how much are you having, a, and you made a, a great point of it, having a factor in the aspect of, of weather and where those schools are, are located because Stanford and California, I mean, it's California weather. It's beautiful. And then Duke, if I'm not mistaken, in North Carolina, that's also nice weather. So, I mean, how much were you having to kind of weigh out the pros and cons of the weather? I mean, on the surface, Notre Dame, that is the biggest flaw of Notre Dame for an outdoor sport. Um, but Notre Dame does also have a lot of help from donors and people who are willing to let us travel in the off season. And Every weekend but one that we're here in January and February, we take a trip Thursday night to Sunday night somewhere in Florida or Arizona or Georgia, and we go practice. So it ends up being like four days at school and then three days down in Florida. And for a northern school, I felt that would be a good bridge for me to go from playing seven, eight months a year in Pittsburgh to, okay, we're getting closer to year round and then professional golf will be more of 11 months or year round. Yeah, and it's a good point because, I mean, like you said, being being a, a native of the Pittsburgh area, I mean, you know just as well as anybody does, 
I mean, I'm still kind of wondering if spring even exists in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, it's so cold and and windy and rainy all the way up into just about May sometimes. So being able to, I mean, how did you have to kind of tailor your golf schedule when you were in high school? I mean, sure that I'm sure that was very annoying. You know, you're thinking it's okay, it's May time, and then all of a sudden it's snowing. So that probably throws a wrench into everything for you. Yeah, baseball was in the spring, so from I would say February to mid-April, it was pretty much all baseball. And then I'd pick up a club as the weather would get better. So I never had to deal with the golf end of the the spring, I guess. And then even some years, though, in mid-May, it was 40, 50 degrees. And other years, it was 85. Um, But I just appreciated every opportunity to go play. I remember going out to Meadow Inc. one time after pitching in a game. I was wearing my baseball uniform. I went out there and played like nine holes. But it's those memories that are pretty fun. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that you'll always remember, you know, going and pitching a couple innings and all of a sudden you're playing nine holes. I mean, I think it's the best of both worlds, but I know you've mentioned a lot of big tournaments that you've competed in. And I know we briefly touched on the mental aspect of it, but with all the pressure that is surrounded with those really big tournaments, I'm sure at times it's, you know, hard to stay focused at the task at hand. How have you learned and how have you kind of learn the 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 mental fortitude that you have to be able to compete in those big tournaments but also compete at a high level and at at times win those tournaments yeah i mean first of all if you're not going to the tournament to win you probably shouldn't be going at all um sometimes that's challenging because if your game isn't as good as your mindset you can get pretty frustrated um so really just trying to stay like even keeled keep my emotions under control don't get too high or too low, but know that my preparation has led me to that first tee and and being on the first tee, I know I'm prepared to, to succeed, but really just trying to avoid that big expectation part, because I know what I'm capable of. Everybody out there does, and there's going to be weeks where you win and there's going to be weeks where you miss the cut. So just trying to take each week, one week at a time, no expectations and just enjoying yourself really. Yeah, ultimately, like you said, enjoying it, having fun. That's that's the main objective of it, right? And, and obviously win, but you know, enjoy it. You know, you don't want to be out there and 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 not having a good time. That's not that's not the point of it at all. But I know you've also probably competed on some great courses, and I know we've got a very historic one here in Pittsburgh in Oakmont. What have been some of your favorite courses that you've played at? And I mean, does any one particular stand out? Yeah, my freshman year, we actually played at Augusta on a team trip. Um that was really cool. It, the weather was, it was a little bit wet, so it played super long, but you could still tell that like when the greens got really fast, that place was going to be just unbelievable. Um, you don't really appreciate how hilly it is down there until you go see it. And I thought Pittsburgh was hilly, but Augusta National is probably more hilly than Pittsburgh. Um, I played Pebble Beach in a U.S. Amateur. That was absolutely awesome every hole there is really cool spyglass hill was really cool um like inverness and toledo's awesome we've just been so many places that like i take a lot of them for granted but then when you go back you're like holy crap this is unbelievable yeah i'm sure sometimes you're having to pinch yourself like i can't believe this is you know my reality that i'm playing at these courses that I'm sure a lot of your friends that, you know, don't play golf anymore, or just play for fun. They talk about in such a high regard that you kind of joke and say, yeah, I, I played there last week or, or whatever. So you're you're pro- probably from a different perspective, obviously, but that's got to be such a cool thing for you. But I know that this is, you know, again, a big spring coming up for you. 
And then after that, what's kind of on the horizon for you? I mean, I'm, and I'm guessing that, you know, obviously a professional career is, you know, the, the next goal and whatnot. So what does that process look like for you after you complete your time at Notre Dame? It's a great question. There's a lot of unknowns right now, honestly. Um, there's this thing called PGA Tour University, which rewards the top five players in each class with Corn Ferry Tour memberships and then the top 15 or 20 with PGA Tour Canada memberships. Um, but next fall, there's also the Walker Cup, which is a biannual thing. It happens every other year. Um, and it's at St. Andrews this year. So that's definitely motivating to try to make that team. Um, in order to play on that team, I would still have to be an amateur, which I don't know if that's going to happen yet. Um, all I know is that playing well was going to solve a lot of problems. And if I have the choice between the Walker cup or the corn Ferry tour, that would be an awesome spot, but none of that's going to happen unless I play well. And most importantly, just stay focused really. So what does the corn Ferry tour kind of entail specifically? I mean, are you just having to find your own tournaments or are they setting that all up for you? I mean, what does that kind of world look like for people that might not know? Yeah, the Corn Ferry Tour is, is the bridge to the PGA Tour. Um, I think they have around 100 or 125 members. And you're basically duking it out all year with these guys that are pretty much are doing the same thing as you, just trying to get to the PGA Tour. And at the end of the year, the top 25 on the money list will get a PGA Tour card. So it's sustained strong play on that tour that really gets you on the PGA Tour. Or if you win, um, I think if you win three times in the same year on the Corn Ferry Tour, which actually happens more frequently than you would think, you get a special exemption onto the PGA Tour for the rest of that year. Well, my friend, I uh, definitely have a ton of faith in you being able to find your way onto the PGA Tour. Hey, you've already done it one time, and I definitely think that you can do it again. But really appreciate your time again today. And before I let you go, one last little question. I want to hear from you just kind of win this maybe aha moment or realization, if you will, happen for you when you realize that not only could you compete at the division one level in golf, but also compete at the highest level and actually be one of the top golfers at the national level at the division one level in, in particular. I was fortunate to have a USAM qualifier at Hannestown, which is my home course in 2018, I believe. And being a 17-year-old in the biggest amateur tournament in the country, I mean, you feel like you're on top of the world, right? Um, and then slowly after that, the scores kept getting lower. It wasn't necessarily an aha moment. It was just like, okay, I've got the physical capability. I've got the mental capability. Now we just need to get them together, and there could be something special here. But at the end of the day, there's so many great players out there, and you've got to find a way to get an edge because – 70, 71, 72 doesn't always cut it. But, and then I would say like playing in us open qualifiers and playing with PGA tour guys, I played with Tom Hoagie in an, in a qualifier and he hold out twice in one round from a hundred yards. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty special. But you see these guys and you realize like they don't hit it 900 yards. Some of them do, but not all of them. They don't make every putt and they're just, they're humans that are good at golf. And it just made me realize like there's no reason why I can't be out there and just going out every day to practice and try to do that. Well, Palmer, you've definitely made quite the name for yourself and I know you'll continue to do that. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks for stopping by and good luck the rest of this uh, obvious winter, but then obviously ahead of us with the springtime as well. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. 
And there he goes, Palmer Jackson, another wonderful episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine 20, RTP all capital, Instagram at riding underscore the underscore pine underscore all lowercase, and on TikTok at Ride in the Pine all lowercase. For all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come, all 272 episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews, and again, folks, keep your eyes and ears open for some great content, some awesome awesome guests, and some even better episodes coming out down the road here on RTP. But once again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. And until next time on Ride in the Pine, keep on sitting the bench with me.